0: Welcome to the Exploratory Journey, a podcast focused on the evolving nature of work, business, and society. In this first episode, I'll be speaking to Ahana, the founder of Clear, a skincare platform, about why combinator, startup careers, and university life. Hi Ahana, Welcome to The Exploratory Journey. This is our first episode. Um, Would you mind introducing yourself?
1: Yeah, of course. Well, thank you so much for for inviting me, Ved. Super excited to be chatting with you today. Um, So very quick overview. I'm Ahana, and I just graduated from physics at Imperial. Um, And since January, I've been working full-time on my startup, Clear. Um, And Clear is a social skincare mobile app and it lets people track, share, and compare their skincare routines.
0: That sounds really cool. Would you be able to tell us a little more about Clear? I mean, skincare is such a or is it an industry, which I haven't really delved into that much, but it sounds like you've done some amazing stuff to get it up and running in such a short space of time.
1: Yeah, thank you. Um, so me personally, I've struggled with skin issues for a really long time. I think since around the age of, 15 um, I struggled with acne and after visiting dermatologists and you know seeking advice professionally for my skin conditions I started to realize that it's not really a one-size-fits-all package and oftentimes with just a dermatologist prescription you don't necessarily have the full information and education behind skincare to actually help so even if you've been prescribed the right thing it doesn't always help treat your concern and so Back then, I was prescribed something, it made my skin worse, and I started Googling what I can do, how I can make things better. And I realized there is an absolute plethora of information available on the internet, but it's really hard to navigate because there's no platform optimized for skincare content. There's pockets of amazing content creators on YouTube and on Instagram and on TikTok who share advice, but... With skincare, if it's not from somebody who has the same skin type, or they they might have a different school of thought around how to treat a particular issue, sometimes the advice doesn't always work for you. So that's kind of one part of the problem. The other part is that once you've started using a product, it's hard for you to know if it's working. And unless you're super organized and taking pictures every single day and have a pen and paper diary, It's difficult for you to know whether, you know, the time you spent researching and the money you've spent on these products is actually paying off. And so the the way Clear solves these problems is sort of with two main features. So one is um, a diary, a routine tracker in which you could input the products you're using and select them from our massive database. So it's really easy to do that. And you can take progress pictures to track how your skin looks and changes over time. And then the other side of the app is essentially a social media platform optimized for skincare content. So the whole platform is designed around product reviews, finding people by skin types, being able to read ingredients lists of products. And the thing that sort of ties the two features together is the fact that the products in your routine are shared publicly. So when you look at somebody's profile, not only do you see their posts, but you can see day in, day out, what have they actually used help with their skin condition so that's kind of a high level summary of of what the app does
0: it sounds like an amazing app and I guess it really does tap into something which has probably been needed for so long but I guess you've got to this point where you've launched an app but you probably have gone through so many steps prior to that and it's probably caused a lot of problems lots of challenges and hiccups where did the whole idea come about from and how did you kind of get it to market and the position in the uh, position which you're in today?
1: Mm-hmm. So, m- perhaps I'll, I'll talk about sort of the whole story in more detail a bit later. But essentially, we had an interview coming up for Y Combinator. And when we had our first interview, it was with a completely different idea called Quill. I can talk more about that later. But essentially, we had interview number one um the summary of that is that they liked us they didn't like our original idea and so they said look we want to talk to you in a week's time show us more traction on Quill or come up with something better and in that week we decided to do both so we literally planned things out hour by hour for that next week before our second YC interview and part of that time was to brainstorm a new idea we didn't have a backup Um, build a prototype, get some initial insights and some um, user data. So I remember our second interview was on a Friday and it was our last day of term as well before we broke up for Christmas and our brainstorming session was on the Tuesday and myself and my co-founder Ben were actually talking about ideas and this time we wanted to we wanted to choose a problem that one of us Had experienced quite deeply, just because it helps a lot when it comes to knowing the market, gathering the insights. And if you are a a a customer of your own product, it makes it, it makes a lot of things a lot easier. So most of our initial ideas were around problems students faced or moving internationally. These are things that both myself and my co-founder had done. But we weren't really getting anywhere with it. And funnily enough, it was actually when I took a toilet break and I saw my array of skincare, I realized that actually in my free time, I spend all my time watching skincare YouTube. I've been in this space for so long. I have a presence in these skincare Facebook groups, Reddit threads, I should use this somehow. And so I came back super excited to Ben. um, I started explaining some of the problems that i would had along the life cycle of discovering skincare products. And the very first version of what was then called Hout, it's now called Clear, Um, was an app in which you could scan your face and it would recommend which products that are already on the market for you to use. And certain brands have this for their own product lines. But in all honesty, it doesn't really, there's not much scientific innovation. It's much more of a marketing ploy to make it seem like it's doing something, but really it's not actually scanning your face. And it's just to push one product line, But our idea for this is that it would be brand agnostic. So it would showcase all the brands available um, and it would help people make that decision. So that's actually the idea that we stuck with for our YC interview. In that week, we did around uh, 60 user interviews. We built a landing page, drove around 300 people to it. And uh, our CTO at the time, he had exams every day that week and they finished at 12 p.m. on the Friday. Then uh, from twelve till eight, he built How to Version One. Wow! And from 10, uh, eight PM till ten PM, I did four user demos, and then our interview was at ten thirty. So we really cut it quite close. Um, but you know, I think as I said, because I had a lot of background knowledge in this space, I was able to recall a lot of insights just about the market and about people's interactions with skincare, and the more we thought about this idea and the more user research that i did i realized that people don't trust ai recommendations and even if a computer did tell them what products to use the key driving factor behind a purchasing decision is actually product reviews so even you know if there was the best recommendation ever even if a dermatologist recommended something people still like to read the product reviews before they use a product And so I figured there had to be a way of getting product reviews on this platform to help people make that decision. And that's when I sort of shifted the focus towards, okay, what are people's interactions with product reviews? And the way I did it was quite methodical. So I kind of came up with a new version of the idea in which it was all centered around product reviews, wrote down all the assumptions that went into this idea. So for example, if people want to track their skincare routine, twice a day, I'd say, what do you do in the mornings? And if they say that they check their phone, then at least I know people are on their phones in the morning, so they might be likely to track it. So one by one, I wrote down all these assumptions and all these non-leading questions that would address them. And in January, I think I did about 300 in-depth case studies with people who are into skincare. And I found them just on these groups that I was already in. And the more I spoke to people and validated certain assumptions and had other assumptions completely thrown away, um, clear kind of became what it is today with a very clear message and goal.
0: That's that's an incredible story of how you've got to today and the amount of stress and pressure it must have gone through to kind of having to cram all of that into a week before a YC interview of all things. I wanted to touch on Y Combinator because for people who know the startup world it's kind of like the amazing thing it's what you want to get into if you want to build a startup and for you it's kind of like you've just come out of university or in your final year and you've managed to come up with an idea which has managed to wow the panelists at Y Combinator how did you do it?
1: If I'm completely honest I don't think it was the idea that wowed them because After we had our second interview, um, it was a very quick turnaround. Within two minutes of it ending, our interviewer jumped back on the call and she told us we'd got in and we were confused. We didn't know which idea they wanted because in our second interview, it actually went on for an hour and we discussed both ideas and they really leave it up to you. So I think that for very early stage companies, it's much more a decision about investing in the founders rather than an idea. And I think in particular what we did that impressed them was just how much we did in that one week period. I think they saw that even in such a short amount of time we were able to create a product, get it in front of people, gain some real insights and demonstrate an understanding of the area that we were tackling. And I think honestly that that is what got us into YC but I will preface this by saying that we had absolutely no, like we didn't think there was like a chance that we would get in at all to the point that when I submitted an application this is when we just started working on Quill so it was at the start of the summer after our third year of uni had finished so summer 2020 and my co-founder Ben who was a lot more into startups and just sort of reading about them reading about founders he taught, talked to me about Y Combinator and at the time I was very much set on starting my career in banking and I had my summer internship coming up but I've always loved working on side projects and you know, have been into entrepreneurship, but was less well-versed in terms of names and brands and all of that sort of thing. But anyway, he said there's this cool program called Y Combinator and you know, it sounds awesome. So I looked into it, saw they had an application and I'm the type that will apply for anything with a form. So I just put in an application, but my, my co-founders were so convinced that absolutely nothing would come of it that they didn't even read. application I submitted and then a month went by between submitting the application to hearing back from YC and we'd been informed that we had an interview and it was really at that point that we realized there was potential in this because prior to that you know it had been a fun project a couple of friends working on over the summer but when we realized that we had this incredible opportunity in front of us that's when we really shifted gears and rather than being very hypothetical and creating a research paper on the technology that we'd use, we decided to actually build the tech and get it in front of people and talk to people. And so that's what we did. So it was really at the point that we found out we had the interview, we changed gears, became a lot more practical. And we were fortunate that we had two months between finding out we had an interview to actually having the interview. So it gave us time to actually launch a product, back then it was Quill, get a couple of pilot programs running um, in time for our YC interview
0: must have been an amazing journey going through all of that not thinking you wanted to you were going to get in and then kind of building something then actually getting in then what's it actually like Mm -hmm. now being a startup which is part of the YC program and what benefits come with it do you would you advise other people to apply
1: absolutely I think i there aren't many things I'd give blanket advice, but for why applying to Y Combinator, I'd say that you lose very little by applying, and there is everything to gain from a program like YC. For us, as young first-time founders, the mentorship and the network is just incredible, and I think that, amongst other things, is probably the main value driver that now, you know, as, as you mentioned, things can be quite tumultuous sometimes in startups. There's a lot of drama, things go wrong. And when you need someone who's more experienced, someone who's seen things like this happen a million and one times over, we have so many people now in our networks that we can just go to and get really good advice from. And given that you know these jobs can be very stressful and, and quite exhausting to have that kind of support, both from a company success standpoint, but also from an emotional standpoint, is incredibly valuable. So I think the network and the mentorship and guidance is really the top thing that YC brings. And it's not just within the group partners, but also your, um, the other people in your cohort as there's a really wide range of entrepreneurs that are accepted to YC. So there's people sort of us on one spectrum, very inexperienced, very new to our entrepreneurial journey. And on the flip side, there are people who are serial entrepreneurs and they've done it time and time again. And to be able to just connect with these people on such a, a candid and personal level, it's it, I think that was probably the highlight of my experience. But in terms of other things that YC helps with, um, in particular, uh, their demo day at the end of the program is very helpful for your investment round. And I think it's hard to get that kind of access to investors otherwise. And again, as first time founders investing can be, sorry, fundraising can be quite a daunting activity and they provide a lot of support with that. Um, And then other sort of nice perks is, of course, they give you an investment into your company when you join, which is really helpful just for getting things off the ground. And prior to Y Combinator, we'd spent zero money on everything. We'd found a way to get everything for free, whether that was AWS credits or legal advice or incorporating the company. We'd been in true student fashion. We'd done it the cheap way. And this was actually a very helpful mentality to have, because even though now we had this money from YC, we were in the mental frame of not actually spending any of it, which, you know, there's conflicting schools of thought on that as well. Like, on the one hand, you probably should put that money back into growing your company, but we would bootstrapped all the way so far and we didn't really need to spend much. Um, but having that money there does enable you to do things that you otherwise might not have been able to do um so that was helpful and then again like you get you get credits for certain like server hosting you get help with hiring internationally compliance there's all these yc companies within that ecosystem that can help you with that kind of stuff and again as first-time founders it's So daunting, you know, incorporating the company in a different country, doing your taxes, doing your accounting, making sure you're compliant when you're hiring people. These are all things that are otherwise a massive challenge, but having the YC support when you're doing that is incredibly helpful.
0: That that's really interesting. And I guess you mentioned banking a little while ago. I wanted to Mm -hmm. touch on that because you've had a number of experiences. In banking, you studied physics at Imperial, and you made a video about this about um, how you ended up going down the banking route. But what made you take that huge risk of not taking up that job at a big bank and actually deciding I'm going to go and create a startup?
1: Yeah, I think it ultimately comes down to weighing the risks of of any decision. Um, so yeah, I, I talked about it in, in that video on YouTube, but I would have loved a banking job as well. I really enjoyed my summer internship and I was perfectly happy to, to, to start my career that way. So it was never a situation where I was like looking for an escape. I was very, very happy to, to start my career that way. But I am the type to be very open to opportunities and it's always been that way. In fact, the first internship I did was actually a tech internship and investment bank, and after that, at the end of that experience, a lot of people, um, you know, were just sort of content going along with it. But I knew that there were things that I might prefer that might be a slightly better fit to my skill set, and it's worth the risk of not returning to that same firm the next year and pursuing what was then a uh, switched from tech to banking. Um, so I've always been one that to take career risks to some extent but at the same time, I've always hedged my risks. So for example, in that position, at the end of my second year, when I decided that I didn't want to do tech and wanted to do banking, it wasn't on a complete whim. I had researched banking a lot. I'd spent the summer networking with people in the investment banking division, and I had already done two banking spring weeks. So I knew that the chances of me getting um, a banking summer internship were quite high. So it wasn't a complete like, you know what? I don't want to do this, and I'm just going to randomly throw myself into this. Everything has been thought out, and like the risks hedged appropriately. So similarly, when it came to making the the tough decision to turn down the grad job um, and instead pursue the startup, it was a very similar exercise of thinking. You know, from a skill set standpoint, which job do I think would be more would be a better fit? And for me, truly, it was the startup. I I think there's many positive aspects to banking, but most of those are covered in a startup. And the positives in banking that I care less about that you don't get in a startup I was willing to forego. And like an obvious one being the compensation. The startup life is nowhere near as as glamorous as the banking, well, it's not glamorous, but it's not as financially comfortable as a banking job would have been. But that was something that at this stage in my life I could afford to forego. I don't have a mortgage, I don't have a family. I've saved up enough money through university and I can pay myself a very small salary just to cover my rent and basic living costs. So, you know, from a financial perspective, now is the time to do it, but also from a career perspective, just because, you know, by getting into YC, that also de-risks things massively because it's a recognized brand name. And even if the startup didn't work out, I'd put myself in a position where I felt confident that I was able to get grad jobs and I'd done internships consistently throughout. And I knew that if I didn't take the YC opportunity and went with the grad job, I would probably regret for the rest of my life what could have happened if I'd have just tried that. Whereas on the flip side, objectively, i didn't have that much to lose because absolute worst case scenario if the startup didn't work out for me or something went horribly wrong I do feel confident that I could still try my hand at finance whereas I don't think it would be the same the other way around I don't think an opportunity like this would arise again to build my own company and deep down I think I really do feel ready for it um, which is another thing that I've talked about with other young startup founders where sometimes they just don't know if now is the right time but I think the fact that you know I did quite a lot of internships at university and then prior to that was fortunate enough to move internationally knew how to build relationships and work in a global setting I think all these skills that built up through my childhood and in my early adulthood have really helped me feel prepared for a job like this and even though you can never be fully prepared for the drama that startup life throws at you I think I at least to have the confidence to try which is a big thing because I do think you need a lot of confidence for a job like this because there are so many hurdles so many barriers that you need to to jump over um but yeah I think to, to sort of come back to your question it was very much just weighing up the risks and knowing that I would regret if I didn't try this
0: I feel like this opportunity like you said probably wouldn't come about again and you never know what will happen unless you take that opportunity Um, Exactly. So I was just gonna keep on with the banking theme so I know you didn't study anything finance related at university but you ended Mm -hmm. up doing multiple internships at some good global investment banks. Um, How did you find kind of getting into finance from a non-finance background and how did you kind of overcome the challenges? Mm So
1: I think there's often a misconception, and I certainly shared this when I was first applying that you need to have a lot of finance knowledge to go into investment banking. The truth is, especially for the undergraduate recruitment for spring weeks where they're looking at first years, you really don't need any finance knowledge, if I'm being completely honest. It's much more about showing that you've got the right skill set for the job and have an interest in the type of work that you will be doing. Um, so when I first, when I did my first um, internship, I really had next to zero knowledge. I didn't know what like Dust stood for, but I came prepared with questions. And, you know, I think there is an assumption, especially with STEM students that if you can do a degree like physics or math or engineering, or not just STEM students, even like if you're doing history or politics that's not explicitly finance, but it's still highly intellectually stimulating. If you can do that, you can probably do finance. Finance is not intrinsically harder than any of these subjects. It's just stuff you need to be taught and then you'll know it, which is why investment banks now spread their recruitment across all um, fields of study because they realize that actually almost anybody can learn finance, but it's really valuable to them to have people that think in different ways some people are more analytical some people delve deeper into issues and so I wouldn't let your degree choice ever affect whether you want to apply to banking or not because they truly do like people from a range of backgrounds and in terms of during the internship itself I do think that you do need to show that you are learning. So it's okay if you come in with next to no knowledge as I did. But what is important is that you are switched on, you're taking initiative to learn and you're showing interest and that you are making progress. So at the start, I didn't know what an EBITDA was, by the end I did, thankfully. And so small things like that, as long as you can show progress over the course of an internship period, I think that's all they're really looking for because by the end of it, they they don't expect a very high standard of finance knowledge. And in some cases, when it comes to weighing up a candidate who's memorised an accounting textbook versus someone who has shown that they're a better fit for the team and for the company and have other skills as well, oftentimes they favour the latter just because finance is something you can learn. But there's a lot of other skills that go with a banking job, like being able to deal with a lot of high pressure, being able to work fairly long hours, being able to communicate very clearly that no amount of textbook reading will give you. That's something that's linked to experience and personality. And that is what they look for because I'm the first to admit that my finance knowledge is really not very good (laughs) to put it frankly. Um, But but I think the reason that I was able to get those opportunities was because of reasons beyond um, finance knowledge. So it helps, you need to show that you can learn but it's not the end of the world if you come in starting with little to no knowledge.
0: And I guess those things you mentioned, like hard work and communication are the same with all careers. Like even with your startup, you're going to be working hours and hours like you told us your story about getting into YC. But I guess mm-hmm. creating a startup whilst at university must have also been challenging, particularly somewhere mm-hmm. where like Imperial where the workload is probably really high. How did you kind mm-hmm. of deal with that? And what was it like kind of balancing university life social life, work, and then also a startup, which then got accepted into YC? I
1: I think it's really about picking your priorities and what you want to spend your time on. Um, So, you know, you're right, Imperial is tough, and I found it really, really tough. Um, And to be honest with you, I didn't particularly enjoy my degree, especially, you know, the, the further I progressed through it. And it came down to figuring out what i needed to do and what i wanted to do and ultimately i kind of optimized my work for what i felt was most important and in my situation you know i was never on the dean's list i my, but my grades were good enough to get me a job should i need one and so i knew how much effort i needed to put in in, in that period during my final year to maintain the grades that i needed but every ounce of energy I had beyond that, I put into the startup. So I will be honest, I there was no social life. I didn't play, I, I played in a band, I played on the eSports Society, cut all of that out. But for me, it was worth it. And it wasn't really a sacrifice in my mind, because it was like, I want this to happen, to make this happen. Like, I can't have my cake and eat it too. I can't, whatever, relax, play play music, play League of Legends, and get into Y Combinator but for me regardless of whether I was doing a startup or starting my career in banking I was prepared to work a lot in the early years of my career because that's just what I prioritize in life I think when you're young that's the time to work really hard and then you can whatever be a 30 year old gamer and enjoy enjoy for the rest of your life beyond that and so I think I just had a very sort of honest conversation with myself about what it was that I wanted to spend my time on. And for me, the decision was my startup and doing, in all honesty, the bare minimum to maintain what I needed to on my degree, which in fairness was not was still quite a lot of work. I think Imperial's a tough uni, as I said, but the skill of time management is something that's so valuable. And I think when you're younger, there are still many ways in which you can develop this. And I think for me, being at a school where you were very much encouraged to do a lot of extracurriculars, do societies, do you know a lot of subjects in itself, if you can build that up from an early age, by the time you get whatever to your final year of university as I was in, time management and prioritization was just a skill that I had already developed for a very long time, which made it challenging, but it was no more challenging than it had been before if that makes sense because before there were other challenges like you know do I want to do this or focus on the charity fundraising society or my band or whatever it was so you know time management is a problem that well it's a skill that you need to develop regardless um but I'd say it wasn't the biggest challenge it was hard but there were things that I wasn't expecting to face that were harder than i realized that they would be
0: and i guess touching on that um a time management is probably something which you really need to be well versed at if you're creating a startup and being your own boss and managing everything yourself Um, and then there comes the motivation that you need for that too but what other challenges did you face and i guess overcome
1: I think the biggest challenge that I faced um, that I wasn't necessarily expecting to is people management. Um, I think throughout school and university, uh, and even when you're applying to jobs, talking about being a team player is often seen as like a really valuable thing to have. And I know at least for a lot of like my friends and myself when applying to jobs, it's like, yeah, I'm a team worker. And it's sort of a superficial thing to say, but only now do I truly realize the value of of how crucial personal relationships are to making things work. Um, Just in the sense that there are so many different layers to it when you first start working together with other people, well, I mean, even before that, finding people to work with is step one. How do you convince someone that your team is the right team to join? That is navigating a personal relationship. Step two, discussing time commitments. That's an awkward conversation because I mean, it's like dating in a way. You don't know if they're genuinely interested in this. You don't know if they're doing other things. Um, And having bringing yourself to have that first conversation isn't easy. And the fact is that you have to have many of these uncomfortable conversations throughout. Once you start working together, some people might not be delivering. Some people might be pouring a lot of time into things. And there are certain working habits in an early stage startup that can be unsustainable and, you know, can create bad working environments and again you need to address it face on and come up with a solution so I think the way I've overcome it is truly learning to be comfortable with the uncomfortable because the number of uncomfortable conversations you have to have even I mean fundraising asking somebody for money is an inherently uncomfortable task but you have to get over it and just go for it and make sure that you're not mincing your words and that you're still getting all your points across, and that is a skill of communication, which is something you just develop from throwing yourself into. So I think that's really just been the hardest thing about being upfront with people, especially being British. I think British people tend to hold back a little bit more as compared to Americans sometimes. Um, but you know, I think there's there's a reason that there's so so many great startups come out of the US is because it works, and you need to have that skill to be upfront with people, be honest, and move things forward. And so that's something that I've had to consciously work on. But even now, like as compared to where I was six months ago when I started, I feel more comfortable with these uncomfortable situations. Um, So I think that's a challenge. But then also more broadly, there's, there's things that happen that you aren't prepared for. So I mentioned when we applied to YC and we had our interviews that we had a CTO, the one who had exams every day. When YC started, he, Had the uncomfortable conversation with us that he in fact didn't want to give up his grad job and he didn't want to leave his masters which you know that's step one of being uncomfortable is talking about it but then step two is figuring out the solution what do we do we've just lost our tech and then it's coming up with a plan when you might be feeling down or defeated or you know you might have lost morale making sure that you're still focused on the end goal and constantly trying to come up with solutions and not letting s- setbacks hold you down because these things these things happen inevitably there are many things that have gone amazingly well for us but equally behind the scenes people don't see how much stuff goes wrong there, there were incentive schemes that we tried to get signups and nobody engaged with them that we poured loads of time into there were things that we weren't expecting to work that worked really well so I think just accepting that, you know, there are some things that aren't within your control. The only things that you can control are, well, I, I think, you know, you, you should stop attaching yourself to results that are out of your control. You don't know if an investor is going to say yes or no. You don't know if a user is going to sign up. But what you can do is make a plan and hold yourself to delivering on it. And that is something within your control. And I've just learned to focus on those aspects of the job because I think it actually helps both one with success because you're not constantly tying yourself to these things and feeling personally down if something doesn't work out. But from a mental standpoint as well, it really helps with morale and staying headstrong when things happen, because rather than having an overly emotional reaction and not knowing what to do next and getting super overwhelmed, which is easy to do, you can just sit back, look at something objectively, figure out why this didn't work and try something different next time.
0: And yeah, I've heard time and time again that going into building a startup helps you build thick skin and you're just testament to that. And I guess it kind of helps because the next stage you get to every time you grow, you're going to face bigger problems and having kind of that mindset with the end goal in mind and the mindset that if this doesn't work I'm just going to try something else and figure out a way to get to where I want to be is probably the best way to do it because otherwise you're just going to be demotivated all the time and you probably wouldn't have got this app launched in such a short space of time anyway. I guess Mm -hmm. to finish off I always like to ask this question to anyone who I interview because it's really interesting to know what motivates and inspires you? quite a broad question yeah
1: it's a really good question Um, this is going to sound like an extremely corny answer but it is to have some sort of impact Um, I think you know I've spent a lot of time discussing whatever politics and social issues and all these massive problems with the world with friends and family and I've always sent that I've always felt a major sense of helplessness when it comes to doing anything about what seems like insurmountable problems and the older I've gotten I think the less idealistic I've become and I've realized that it's the people in power that create change and There are many things that I see are wrong, and I don't necessarily think that I have a moral high ground or know all the right things. But there are certain things that I wish happened more. I wish there were more women in business, women in STEM, women in finance. And something that I can do to change that is try really hard to do it myself. That is something within my control that I feel could have an impact on somebody somewhere and I think that's the broader thing that keeps me going, which means that when things do go wrong, I'm able to maintain the level of perspective and think that no, you know, for, for the greater good, this career, this startup is something that's that's bigger than me and I want to impact people. And, and I think that that it's just that ability to zoom out that really helps me keep going. On a more practical note though it's my my family i'd say like without a doubt i could not do it without the support from my parents my brother and again like emotionally from that perspective there's so much stuff that goes wrong sometimes you need to sit down cry and then figure out the solution and to have people around you that you can be open with and you know that will be there for you when things go wrong and can be a sounding board to ideas and celebrate the wins and be there for you when you have your losses, it, it helps tremendously. And I think knowing that I have that kind of support behind me also keeps me very, very motivated um, to keep on going. And that's not something that I take for granted because I appreciate that not everyone, especially launching into startups, especially you know people that turn down grad jobs for this kind of thing, they don't always have parental and family support behind these decisions, but I've been very fortunate to have that. And that helps me a lot with, staying motivated and and pushing to to achieve results.
0: And I'm sure that having an amazing support system is really really important to being able to stay motivated but also have a wider sense of what you're doing and the end goal because you can get so stuck into a certain aspect for instance building your app and how it's going to look but actually you have to always think about who's actually going to use it and having that support system which will keep you motivated and keep you with the wider picture in mind is really important. It was great having you on the podcast. Thank you so much for coming along and I'm sure our listeners will be really interested to see where Clear goes and we'll be following all your successes ahead.
1: Amazing. Well, thank you so much for having me Ved and I'd love for, for everybody to check out the app. It's available for free on Android and iOS. And we're constantly making improvements and changes. So please don't hesitate to to come back with feedback as well because we love to hear it.